All right, if you've listened this far, you know the deal. The book that came out of this podcast is called How the Internet Happened, From Netscape to the iPhone by me, available wherever fine books are sold. Also, the podcast I do these days is called The Tech Meme Ride Home. Search any podcast app for Ride Home, and you should find The Tech Meme Ride Home, which is all the day's tech news every weekday in just 15 minutes. If you like this show, you'll love that one. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. This is Chapter 5, Supplemental Episode 3. Oliver Knowlton is another one of our Pathfinder.com alumni. He's had a wide and varied career in media, from his role as the general manager of Sports Illustrated to his current role as the VP of the Digital Portfolio Group at Gannett. He's been working in various aspects of digital media for almost two decades now. Our previous Pathfinder interviewees have given us bookends of the Pathfinder story, both its origin story and its denouement, as it were. Oliver's discussion gives us a great summation of the story from someone who was there for the whole ride. So here's a fascinating conversation with Oliver Knowlton. Oliver Knowlton, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Hi, Brian. How are you today? Great. So can you give me a little bit of background um, before, before Time Warner? Are, uh, are you uh, in media and journalism before you, you get to Time? I was actually uh, started in a printing plant, printing, uh, working as a customer service rep for Time and People magazine. And I sort of moved up the food chain over the course of a, about four or five years I uh, ended up in a pre- large pre-press facility at Time, Inc., and then um, I got hired at Time Magazine to run their sort of printing operations and printing and binding. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, and then subsequently, I uh, moved over to the editorial side of sort of their technology operations and technology guys. So I was doing things like getting uh, the magazine onto QPS and desktop publishing and worrying about making sure the editors close the magazine on time and sort of just the sort of the, the early days of desktop publishing. So you basically, you leapfrog your way uh, up the, up the chain as it were. And so you, you find yourself eventually at time corporate. Uh, I eventually find myself at Time Magazine uh-huh. uh, on the editorial side, working for some of the you know the people that actually 
started uh, thinking about the internet, and that, and in my mind, that was a guy named Walter Isaacson, who we all know very well. And mm-hmm. Walter had just written an article uh, on the World Wide Web that was really one of the first formative articles. I would say this is probably the uh, late eighties, you know, around nineteen ninety. You'll have to go back and check, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just was so intrigued by it um, that I sort of my radar went on, and I just said, you know, this is something interesting. This is this is where the world's going. And um, he, I think, had, had aspired to be uh, the. And he was an assistant managing editor at that time, and he had edited that 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 story, which was just brilliant. And he, it, it almost looked like a web page. He had had hypertext links off the side of the page, and it was, you know, it was just sort of giving people the first glimpse of what a web browser looked like, Mosaic, et cetera. And at that point in time, he had been, he had just been tapped by Jerry Levin, uh, the, the then CEO of, of Time Warner, to help build a, um, uh, a, a television channel for the trial in Orlando that Jerry was sort of enamored with, which was a switch digital, you know, the first VCR, uh, DVR uh, experimentation with a bunch of SGI servers. In right, the, the full service network. Full service network, exactly. And so he, he, um, he partnered with a guy named Paul Sagan who started New York One and was one of the youngest news editors there. And New York One was quite revolutionary in that they figured out how to essentially put on a newsreel, you know, create a, a news uh, room and a whole create a whole uh, news environment for $10 million a year. So almost no cost, unheard of. And, uh, and so Paul was really responsible for the uh, uh, the the technical uh, operational execution and and uh, Walter was going to be in charge of sort of uh, the content and the editorial side of and we were chartered with uh, and th- these guys were chartered with building a news channel for this full service network and um, and uh, uh, I at that point was just like uh, you know I don't know where this is going I don't know what you're doing Paul but, uh, Walter but I'm coming with you and so I just reached out to him and there wasn't really a defined job and I said you know let me be your operating guy and let me sort of figure out what you are thinking and and where you want to go and, and I wasn't very technical and they hired some very smart news folks and uh, we we started building this thing we went out to California and and I think Walter was sort of and but the two of them were very quite shrewd in thinking that you know where's uh, this sort of full-service network going? We should also be thinking about the web. And so we talked to to Andreessen and Jim Clark at at Mosaic at that point, and we went up to to Stanford and talked to folks at ARPANET, and we were just sort of exploring, and we found a company called Iconic Interactive in San Francisco, and they helped us build the software for this news channel. And and, um, and it was essentially uh, some content from CNN and it was some content from Time Magazine. And, and what we sort of figured out how to do was build a essentially customized news channel with a lot of assets, an audio asset, a graphic asset, a, uh, a, a text asset, and, and video assets. And we could essentially allow – we'd have a anchor person read the news and uh, he or she – 
when you're watching it, you could customize it, the news and say, I wanted to watch local then sports and then, and then uh, um, weather, et cetera, in any order you wanted. So it was sort of like this customized news channel on, on, on this uh, beta, uh, beta uh, test down in Orlando. Did, it, did the channel ever go live on FSN? What actually happened was they uh, um, we got it up and running, and what they what we quickly discovered is you know all they really had was just a, a, a massive room of SGI servers, and they essentially put lots and lots of movies on there, and that's all they could really handle. And so when we showed this to them, they said, you know, this is really great, this is incredible, but we have no idea how we are going to actually do this and scale this and, and build this. And subsequently, as we were starting to, you know, we had, had moved across the street from the Time Life building to the old, F, I think it was FNN, Financial News Network mm -hmm. uh, studio, which was literally directly across the street in the basement. And we took that over and created a newsroom and we were prepared to start shooting, et cetera. And, and uh, subsequently we said, you know what we should do is we should uh, start looking at building a website and we should put up uh, start grabbing some of the content from Time Inc. and and start playing with playing around in that space. And so uh, another effort while we were building the news channel was going on to start building um, uh, a, a website that subsequently became Pathfinder. So so the team that was putting together this channel is sort of the the seed, the nucleus of what became the Pathfinder team. That's exactly right. And what we started to do is hire some different kinds of people that understood how to, you know, in those days it was write Perl and to write some very rudimentary, uh, even when we were before Java, and, you know, and just write some very rudimentary uh, uh, web, web applications. And we did a derby site and we built a garden site. And, we, and, and what started to happen is that um, uh, the website continued to grow and flourish. And I remember um, I... Uh, bought a, a, a Cisco server and there was no there was literally no T1 line no internet in the time life building and we ended up putting a server in a conference room and and really running a T1 line through the ceiling into the you know from the phone bot, phone mm -hmm. and and literally handcrafting this thing to get a, a, a server up and there were many days when we had no firewall and I mean it was pretty pretty uh clunky and and but it was the beginning of something and what we eventually did is we moved it across the street into the fnn and uh added uh started building up a, a staff and at the same time i think it became apparent to to walter and and paul that um they were never we were never going to get this news channel off the ground or it was never really going to be a scalable uh the technology not the technology that they had built but the technology that of this uh Early days of uh, you know uh, you know DVR switch digital stuff was we, we were just too far in front of it. So um, the, the the effort started to swing the other way to, towards building uh, a large website. So is some of the motivation for this at the time? Uh, time was also doing experimental deals with AOL. Um, I, I spoke with uh, Linda McCutcheon a, a few days ago. It, was some of the thinking at this point that by going to the web, that you, that time could do some of the stuff it was doing with AOL, but but they wouldn't have to have AOL as a middleman. I don't I don't recall that. All I what we started to do is is uh, when we built the site, you know, AOL wasn't so much in our radar at that point. Uh, 
um, we uh, started putting a lot of effort behind it thinking, you know, I think we had sort of the first portal, right? So right, right. we built, uh, started building a lot of magazines, started putting up a lot of content sites. And so we started to get quite a bit of traffic and we kept adding servers and boxes and sort of becoming slightly more professional. Although I have to say it was a little, uh, um, you know, rustic to say the least, you know, we, we really weren't, but, but it, 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 you know, we, we got started to grow quite a bit of traffic and then Walter and Paul, Paul started to say, you know, we have all of these different brands. We should, we should call it something, uh, not necessarily to, you know, hurt the brand or to, to hide the brand, uh, but just to consolidate all of this traffic in under one hood that where we can start to sell some advertising. And believe me, there was the idea of digital advertising back then was nascent. I mean, it, so, so we were significantly ahead of the, the game. Uh, I, I don't think AOL was, um, you know, that acquisition, uh, you know, what wasn't a driver one way or the other. I know I'm, I'm certain that Walter was showing Pathfinder to the Jerry Levins of the world. And he was quite, you know, he, he liked technology. He liked new ideas. So Mm -hmm. I'm certain that, uh, when we were, we were, uh, you know, building this thing and starting to show some success and show and, and success is a relative word. We can have a conversation about that. But but we uh, when we started, uh, you know, getting some traction, I'm sure that it, it did uh, tickle Jerry's imagination and maybe was the beginning of some conversations with 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 AOL. But I certainly wasn't privy to how much Pathfinder was a, a driver for a very bad marriage. Right. Um, so tell me a little bit about what what the strategic idea is. Uh, it, are, are there thinkings that uh, is the thinking that maybe eventually um, you can put up a paywall and and people will subscribe to you know read their favorite magazines uh, and things like I that. Was, I think we weren't that far uh, that that forward thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Walter at one, at some point uh, was then hired to be, become the managing editor of Time, so he peeled off, and Paul became the the the, the real editor and and CEO of the the, the division. We became Time Inc. New Media at that point. Uh, the full service network efforts had sort of been. Um, uh, shut down, and the, I think they declared victory that they got that test home up and running. And so we were just left with uh, the studio really became dark, except for uh, you know uh, more than a hundred people, I guess, at that point who were building and uh, 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 working with um, uh, creating creating Pathfinder. And I think we still, at that point, felt as if if we got enough. Uh, mass that we would uh, sell advertising to the site. I think that was really the original thought and um, that we would grow the business and it would be an extension of the, the digital businesses, uh, an extension of the print businesses. We were probably five or six years ahead of our time. I, I don't know what the, that, if that's three years, five years, seven years, but we, you know, there, there was even the idea of banner ads were still a little bit early. And right. so, uh, and and the other thing is culturally, um, you know, early days, no one really cared so much about about us having their digital brands, and um, and so there wasn't a lot of infighting about you know who was selling it, and and so we had some early sellers to try and you know 
get out and sell it. But uh, when you're in a place like Time Inc., which has got such strong brands, eventually it comes back and, and people wanted to to sort of own their own destiny. And uh, so it, it started to become uh, a very, you know, at one point Don Logan called it the $100 million hole, black hole. Right. And that was sort of the beginning of the end where people started to question, it's like, what, what, what's going on here? And why, you know, uh, they built this big, this, this big early portal, uh, and it's a content portal, and it's a, it was a news portal, and, and uh, but uh, it wasn't, no one could quite see the the light at the end of the tunnel. And also there was a lot of criticism about the Pathfinder name. Why were we hiding our brands behind something called Pathfinder? And I, you know, that always used to annoy me because I felt as if there was a very smart strategy to have a, a content aggregation strategy and to um, call it one thing. I mean, you know, we were just a little bit ahead of our game and, and Paul and Walter were so savvy about this, but we still couldn't quite figure out how to, to, to monetize it. And we had, you know, over a hundred people. And so there were some real expenses there and we had a lot of servers and, and the pipes kept growing. And, and it, it, so it, it got ahead of us in terms of our ability to say, here's the business model for, for Pathfinder. No, I think that let's, let's cycle back on that for just a second. I mean, that's a good point that it's obviously, it's a portal in 94, so it's way before a lot of things, and, you know, three or four years later, portals are the things that, that really make Wall Street excited, but is it, so the original motivation for going under one umbrella, one one brand, Pathfinder, was that that would, that would make it easier to consolidate as one property for the purposes of advertising and stuff? I believe that was the, always the intent, is that essentially you could say, hey, we have an audience of, I mean, these are not sophisticated days where you could segregate your audience and, and, and you know, and, and sell uh, certain audiences across your website. So uh, we were just trying to get enough uh, critical mass to be able to sell advertising against it. So that was the only reason for the consolidation of, as far as I was concerned, of, of why you'd call something Pathfinder. And, um, and you know, we didn't, you, you know, SI was was on the sidelines. They had not they had not gone in, and they had uh, struck a deal with um, uh, uh, CNN to do some things. So so we were we were building some you know stuff around the edges. People was a little late to come in because they were they were a little bit more protective of their brand. So we didn't have you know we had gardening sites and we had uh, uh, news sites and you know we had a lot of sort of interesting stuff, but not. You know, and plenty of traffic, but probably, you know, could we, you know, if we have been, you know, in hindsight, you know, should we have had the, you know, the, the times, the fortunes, the monies, the, 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 you know, all of those, you know, aggregate into different, you know, sections and, and really smart about it. We, we probably never got to that point where we could really strategize about, okay, we're going to really create a front page and then drive people into, and we did have a front page and we mm -hmm. did have a quite nice front page, but, but it wasn't as if we were just selling different audiences against that or anything like that. But I think the whole intent of Pathfinder was, was audience aggregation to monetize versus advertising. I don't remember, uh, and I could be wrong that there was any idea that we were going to charge for the content. So can we talk also about, um, you know, a lot of it is, is content that you're bringing over from print and 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 putting on the web, but let's talk some about 
some of the the organic stuff that that Pathfinder itself is doing things like you know the OJ Central or um, uh, the Netly News and things like that. Yeah, so I think that we started, uh, you know, some of the good, great, you know, Chris, Chris Peacock and some of these folks at, at some of the brands decided to build some extensions of those brands, whether they were tied to it or not. But we started building a lot of sort of interesting extensions. The OJ Central was, you know, was what it was, but it was just a great news site. And, and, uh, uh, interesting news site, but probably if you think about, it, we probably would never be able to sell a stick of advertising again. So then, and we we just um, uh, um, started experimenting. We really made it a um, uh, a, a test bed for brand extensions, new ideas, and we had a very a, a ton of creative uh, uh, engineers so that they could write. You know, they could early days of writing, you know, web pages and code and, and came up with some interesting ideas. But uh, what eventually happened is, you know, we had McKinsey come in and Don Logan was uh, sort of uh, trying to figure out what the heck to do with this thing. And um, so they came in and then uh, um, it, we started, you know, I, I can't remember if Paul had decided to take a sabbatical or, or, or leave. You know, he eventually ended up as the the president CEO of Akamai, but he took a, a year leave and, um, uh, Dan Okren came in and, and we brought Dan Okren came in to, to be the sort of the CEO of the, uh, organization. And he has a, you know, very strong, obviously editorial background. And, and so with McKinsey, uh, they started to look at, okay, how much traffic are you getting? How many people are you working on? And really giving it an appropriate, putting it through an appropriate lens of, of what are you doing here? And it, we found out that there was probably only five sections in the whole site that were, uh, you know, had enough traffic to, to drive uh, any kind of business model. And, and that was sort of the beginning of the end where we decided that you know, I think Dan called it uh, um, five fucking flowers or something, pardon mm -hmm. French, but he, he, he was really about uh, um, driving uh, the business down to sort of core essence and, and be more brand focused. Do and you, um, uh, not that you would, you know, obviously off the top of your head be able to remember them all, but do you kind of remember what some of those more successful sections were? Um, time people, um, I, I know we had a gardening one that was not successful. I can't off the top of my okay. head. I'll have to go back and ask mm -hmm. some peers. Um, but uh, at that point, I think was sort of where we then decide, you know, let's let's break this all apart and push it back to the properties. And and I subsequently went to SI and worked on SI.com and uh, and and became a general manager at Sports Illustrated for a number of years. But um, it was a, a wild ride for for about seven years of my life where for six years of my life where we essentially went from building nothing to uh building this incredible portal to uh um bringing it up and then taking it all the way back down and getting a lot of heat for what we were doing in the middle right um at the risk of of asking a leading question um again cycling back to the idea that you know you guys created a portal that eventually portals became the watchword it feels to me like the problem maybe was that you know a, a, a yahoo is is has the the flexibility to say all right we can lose money quarter after quarter after quarter because 
we're, we're raising VC money, we're, we're doing IPOs, so we've got cash to burn through before we can finally turn the corner on profitability. And you guys maybe always had, you know, over your shoulder people saying, you know, when, when is this going to turn into the black and stuff like that? Is, is maybe the problem, like, this was too entrepreneurial, too experimental a project to have a chance to succeed inside a, a, an organization like Time Warner? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think one is, you know, Don Don had a, a great run of uh, 40 quarters of growth, and I think there was a lot of pressure to keep sustaining that was the first thing. Second is, uh, you know, this was completely different than what, what the magazine world knew, and uh, I think they didn't quite get it. They didn't quite appreciate what they had, and there was uh, uh, almost this... Uh, Look at those guys over there just burning all this cash, and uh, um, and you know this is of course before the Time Warner days where Time Inc is sending all sorts of cash over to to, to Time Warner corporate. But mm-hmm. you know what the heck is going on over there? Uh, and I also think that that you know some of the things you see now in terms of print, you know newspapers and trying to make a transition to digital, it's very hard. And uh, uh, the the thinking the the sort of the DNA is, is not the same. And um, so we brought in a lot of young, interesting people that were just so foreign to the culture of, of the timing, you know, sort of blue chip ethos that it, it didn't quite, we couldn't quite ever push it, push it over the edge in terms of like, you know, if you're spending a hundred million, you should probably spend 500 million to really get this thing launched. And, right. and we were definitely under a lot of pressure to, to manage our costs, there's always that kind of worry. So I, I would, I think you're absolutely right. There was a period of time where uh, we sort of had a grace period, but then once it sort of tipped over, you know, I don't know, but you know, he talked, Don talked about the, this hundred million black hole. Uh, he was skeptical of a, uh, of a sales model, and he was skeptical that we would ever get this thing in, into the. In, into the black. And so he, uh, I think, started asking a lot of hard questions about it that were probably appropriate. But, you know, for us, you know, in hindsight, we feels like, Jesus, could we have become a Yahoo? Could we have become, you know, a very, very large content portal, not a technology portal, a content portal? And could we have leveraged that? And, um, uh, you know, I still ask myself that, you know, 25 years later, but I, it's it, not a lot of use in it. But I think it was it was a fun ride. And, uh, uh it's really an interesting, interesting time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Well, sort sort of in summation, I've I've been asking every every Time Warner person. It's fascinating to me that Time Warner, of all of the media companies on the landscape at this point, was experimenting in technology before anyone else. I mean, Pathfinder launches exactly concurrently with Yahoo. So, you know, there's a time when the, the big content plays on the web are Pathfinder, Hotwired, and Yahoo, essentially. Um, why was it Time Warner that was so far out ahead in this experimenting with technology? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I think part of what led us was not so much that it was not the Time Inc. side. It was the Time Warner side. It was the, the Warner side, essentially. And I think it was the cable side that actually got us down this road. Uh, and, you know, when we were building and the insights of some very brilliant people, I mean, Walter Isaacson, you know, just had this vision and, and we went on to lead CNN and now the Brian and he's a, you know, and he, and written the jobs book and everything. So he clearly was an early adopter, got it. And, uh, and he just was ferocious in, in driving this, this thing, uh, at least to get it to a place where it could be evaluated on it, on, you know, as a business proposition. And I don't think it ever you know, we were, again, we were probably a little bit, and, you know, we had bottom line numbers of probably the Yahoo's and the hot wires the world didn't have to worry about. So that may have, that may have hurt us in the long run. But I do think that, uh, you know, Jerry Levin was trying to get this, this TV station started and, you know, Time Warner Cable ultimately built a, a lot of, put a lot of fiber in the ground on the backs of Time Inc. And, and, uh, so I think that it was, it was just sort of serendipitous that, that, the right guys were at the right place uh, uh, to to do this test, and uh, whether you know, you know, I you know, I have one of these guys that always thinks you know, well, you know, at some at one point, uh, Sports Illustrated could have bought ESPN, and and we and, and you know, people gnash their teeth over that. And I'm saying, you know, I'm just not sure a, a magazine company could have really pulled off an ESPN and made it what it is. And I sort of think maybe it's the same truth for Pathfinder. I'm just not sure ultimately that a, a magazine company had the right had the right DNA to pull, become, you know, a huge internet giant. Uh, ultimately we became that and, you mm -hmm. know, AOL and for all the wrong reasons. But but I think that there's probably something in in sort of the people and the culture that that drives some of these things. So we may have we had very smart people who initiate the concept and, and probably the culture killed us ultimately and the, and the you know being a publicly traded company got in our way in these early early days well oliver uh thank you thanks for remembering all this for us sure it's fun to fun to reminisce uh, i hope uh, you found it a little bit interesting absolutely thanks for coming on the podcast sure take care if you're enjoying this podcast there's one simple thing that you can do to help us out if you do nothing else, just go to iTunes and rate us. One to five stars takes about two seconds. Or give us a review because the weird way that iTunes works is it's not just the number of downloads, it's also the number of ratings and reviews. As always, you can join the conversation at www.internethistorypodcast.com. Get more info, see pictures, and see my full bibliography for each episode. The show's Twitter is at NetHistoryPod, and my personal Twitter is at BrianMCC. Thanks for listening.